Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Ramblers, let's get rambling. Episode of Ramble with Russell, episode 691 of my podcast, Home Intelligent Rambling, right here in the Sock Shoe Network, and one of the longest running single hosted pop culture podcasts in Ontario. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Russell Hale. And I gotta apologize right off the bat, Ramblers. It's been a while since I've done a new show. Last one I posted for November 6th. And normally, you know, guys, I try to do post a new show every two weeks, but life has been crazy and busy. We're in the holiday season. And I just have a lot of hours to myself to have time to sit down and record stuff. And normally I don't try to take breaks in the show. You know, in the almost 17 years I've been doing this, you can look back and I haven't taken a lot of breaks. I've been pretty consistent and pretty steady. And I and I, you know, thank you guys for your patience and, and waiting for the episode to come out. I, I will try to get back on track again, you know, once we get through the holidays a bit. I hopefully will have... Another new episode, uh, and it definitely for, you know, my, my holiday special. I like to do an episode for Christmas every year. And maybe I'll squeeze another one in between. We'll see. But at least be one more new one before we wrap up 2023. What's on the show today, though? I've got lots of things to talk about. I'm so backed up. I'm going to start things off with the third chapter in the Equalizer series. It's the Equalizer 3 with good old Denzel on Blu-ray, courtesy of Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Then we go from the Equalizer to another scary character, if you will, but for a totally different reason. It is The Nun 2 on 4K Blu-ray, courtesy of Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment. And we take a blast to the past, literally a blast to the past, with a Blu-ray review of Oppenheimer, courtesy of Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. And speaking about history and going back into history, you have my digital review of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, courtesy of Walt Disney Pictures Home Entertainment. So we got a lot to talk about on today's show, so just bear with me, if you will. A bit of news to start, though, and, and a little bit of toy news. Uh, as of recently, it was announced that Hasbro is is cutting, like, laying off, like, 1,100 jobs just before the holiday season. Youch! And that is crazy. And there's a possible talk of them merging with, like, or going to partnership with McFarland Toys. And that's significant. Uh, that, that, that really shows where the, where things are going these days. And that's, that's nasty. You know, to cut that many jobs before the Christmas holiday season. Ouch. I've, uh, sadly experienced that kind of, uh, thing. And, and I, you know, shout out to all the Hasbro employees out there. If you listen to the show or your friends or family show, I, I feel for you. Uh, this time of year, it is that is the last thing you want to happen to you. And hopefully, you know, things iron out and get better. But that's a big chunk. And we'll see what uh, holds, you know, holds for Hasbro for 2024. I, I don't know. 
Uh, I don't think they're going to exist the way they uh, used to exist before. And we'll see. But if you, you toy buyers out there, there's probably going to be a lot of deep discounts on the shelves. So I'd keep an eye out, especially stateside. Up here in Canada, <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, we have a Toys R Us. But um, last time I've been there, there's just... I don't see the selection north of the border here like you guys see in the States. I see toy hunts on YouTube. And there's so much product you guys have that I never see in a shelf. Like, it's just lines, there's waves that have never appeared up here in my part of Canada. Maybe other parts of Canada, but not here. I was like, <laughs> it's just, the He-Man doesn't even exist on the shelves anymore at Walmart. He's gone. He's been gone for a while. And there are waves, I can tell you, I, that have come out that have never come up to my region at all. And that's nuts. I don't know how that goes. I don't know. It's just distribution lately. Uh, it's something to be seen. And I, I don't know where that's going to go. I mean, I don't know why some things are region specific, but it should just be North American release and that should be fine. Right? Right? But not, not the case. So we'll see what settles out in the new year. But it, it's interesting times we are living in. And, and that's for sure. And yeah, and, and they're, they're the, um, the Aquaman 2 movie is set to be released this month. We'll see how it does. They're talking that it, it might tank really hard. Um, and we'll see how much Amber Heard is in it. Because, you know, Rambles, we've heard these things. That, that she may have been edited out for a good significant part of the movie. We saw the trailer and she was barely in it. And I think they're going to limit her role considerably and give a lot of it to to um, to Aquaman's mother character. Uh, uh, yeah, I think they're probably Kim Kim Bassinger. I could be wrong, uh, but but yeah. I, I, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. I mean, Aquaman toys already hitting you know, toys shelves, and I don't know how well they're going to sell. Man, they're they're out there, but I don't know how much money they're going to make out of them at the movie tanks because I don't know. We're hitting a bad slump for superhero movies, people. I think we're hitting like um, an exhaust period where the, just the quality of them, like Marvel's, did really bad. It, Marvel's did so bad, they yanked it from the theaters. It was out for a few weeks, and then whoosh, gone. And and just to, and we'll see how soon it hits home video, but you don't see that very often, that a movie gets pulled that quickly upon theatrical release. So I, I don't know where things are heading. It, it's I think in some ways we've hit the, the, the peak of superhero movies, for a while, like we to be Endgame, maybe No Way Home. That was like the peak of money, and ever since then, we're kind of hitting a, a downslope, and and nothing's really doing that well. There hasn't been one really since that's gone like, whoa, this is like the high water mark. This has done really well, and I don't know when that's going to change. I don't know what movie's going to do. It's going to turn it around. There are some of both Marvel and DC that are in the pike, you know, ready to go, and I, I don't know what the next one is going to be big. I mean, there's just Venom Three is coming out sometime and i don't know what it's gonna do i mean i didn't think that's even going but apparently it's coming out so we'll see what holds uh the future for movies and tvs when it comes to superhero stuff marvel dc whatever but i think the renaissance i think the glory days are over because the arrowverse stuff is just about gone you know i mean superman and lois they're in their final season and that will be the official end of that universe set of characters so uh, I don't know. I, I think it, it might just take a break for a while. Whether it comes back, only time will tell. So there you go. That's a bit of a rant. I have done one of these in a while. Start off the show. But yeah, I have a few things that's bouncing around my head. I really wanted to say, and this has been a while. So there you go. So I'm going to take a quick musical interlude. Right, The first review 
of the show. My first Blu-ray Review Plus episode is The Equalizer 3, courtesy of Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. That's the third Equalizer movie starring Denzel Washington. The first one is back in 2014, then the sequel is 2018, now we're the third one in 2023. And this is, you know, this is the character to me that is very much, if you leave him alone, you'll be fine. And it very much reminds me of Rambo. Because you think of the whole premise, especially the first Rambo movie, if they just left him alone, you know, just let him go and not bother them. <laughs> Probably would have been a problem. But the character that Denzel plays in this movie is very much like good old John Rambo. And then if you you, you don't want to antagonize him, you don't want to get on his wrong side because Robert McCall will mess you up. <laughs> and, and this is a very violent movie. The opening scenes, because it's set in Italy. So at this point in time, you know, Robert McCall is just trying to, you know, chill out in Italy, right? He's always had a violent life as we've seen in the two movies. And he's just trying to, you know, live a normal life and hang out in Italy. Well, you know, unfortunately, guys like him, trouble has a way of finding them. And and what, what causes it is that his, his his some of his friends, you know, unfortunately fall on the wrong side of the Italian mafia, Italian gangsters, and well, you know, stuff happens. In the first movie, of course, it, he was fighting against the Russians. In the second movie, some bad guys took his friend. So really, it, the rule of kind of thumb is here is if you don't mess with Robert McCall's friends or anybody he considers a friend, because you will pay and you will pay <laughs> badly. And the, the violence in this. Now, it's been a while since I've seen the first two Equalized movies. Didn't have time, Ramblers, to, to watch the first two. <laughs> Sorry. But I, I'd forgotten how violent this character can be. In the opening scene where where it starts, he, the way he goes through guys is brutal. I mean, there's, a, there's one where he shoots a guy in the head and in the butt. It's like, oof. And, and so if you are squeamish in any way, shape, or form, yes, this is not for you. Now, we're not talking Saw movies here. We're not talking that kind of... You know, we're just, I, you know, I'll never watch Saw movie in a theater ever again. Because <laughs> it's too much on a big screen. <laughs> but it's still pretty crazy. And I'll give props to Denzel in this. Because a guy who is just about approaching 70, you know, he's born 1954, can do a fair bit of work here. Now, some of this may be stunt doubles and whatever. But if it isn't, points to you, Denzel. Because he still can move pretty good. And there's a fair amount of action in this movie. It, it doesn't pull punches. There, people die in very violent ways via guns or knives. So, yeah. And props to the guys who do effects and everything. Because it just looks good. And the Foley work, like the sound work, is just yowza. It, it, it really works for me. Your other main actors in this, you do have good old Dakota Fanning. And this is Emma Collins. So yeah, good old Fanny. Her career, really, when you compare her to Macaulay Culkin, boy, <laughs> there's a difference. So she's in this. And, and it's a good, fast-paced movie. And, and it's also directed by the same director that directed the first two Equalizer movies. And you know what I've always said, Ramblers? And I saw this a thousand times. And directed by Anton uh, Fuqua. Is the key to a successful sequel. And I've seen this time and time again. Keep the same crew, keep the same writer, keep the same director, keep the same vision, if you will, 
And, and usually sequels work out. And they've done this for all three of the Equalizer movies. And it's kind of nice in this time, you know, to see it, like said, in Italy, not in America, where you have a lot more history and, and it's a lot, you know, a nice different change of setting for Mr. McCall. And, and the, as I said, the amount of brutality is just uh, nuts. Uh, of course, I love reading quotes from movies, and this one uh, right on the cover is jaw-dropping action that will blow you away by Simon Thompson of Forbes. Yeah, uh, it, <laughs> the action, this is good, and Denzel does it again uh, by Simon Thompson of Forbes. Yeah, so both quotes from the same guy. And yeah, yeah, if you like the first two, you'll like this one. And, and Denzel does it in a way, it's almost like like early Steven Seagal, right? Where he's like really talking, talking voice. But when he fights, it's just brutal. So it's almost like a mix of you take a Rambo character, you take a Steven Seagal character, you make a black, bam you have this guy. And, and it really, I mean, it, 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 it does work well. Now, you get a lot of Blu-ray exclusives. You get over 15 minutes of deleted scenes for Blu-ray exclusives. You also includes the Blood Brothers, the, the collaboration of Denzel Washington and Anton Kukwa. So, so they talk about how they've been working together over the years doing these equalizer movies. You get Call to Action, uh, another just on the action, the, the action parts of the movie. Robert McCall, A Man of the People. So just how he, um, you know, how he's a defender of the persecuted. Denzel and Dakota reunion. So that's cool that they highlight that feature. Postcards from the Al Mafia Coast, which is highlighting the location shooting. And and the Jacob Banks monster lyric video. And it's a really catchy song. Normally, I don't, you know, I'm not into that kind of music per se, but it works. And I like how the music video is done and it really ties into the character. So, so that works as well. That isn't necessary to watch the previous Equalized movies to get this one. Well, no, I'm not going to say no, because all you need to know in this one is going in that his character is a badass. His character is not one to be messed with. And when he fights, he don't fool around. You, you, <laughs> and he says you're going to die. You should start leaving because uh, he usually calls it pretty good. And and it, it's it's a it's a good good movie and you know I, I think it's a nice chapter. Will there be an Equalizer four? I don't know. You see the trailers for this. It's like the final chapter, but you know in Hollywood, right? Final is never totally final, and we'll get into that a little <laughs> later part of the show. The Tom's another review we're going to talk about when he's talking about final chapter, but we'll talk about it later. But overall, it, it's it's a yeah, it's a good kind of action movie, not for the squeamish. But, but it is a nice little romp into the action world. So that is my take of the Equalizer 3, or Le Justicier 3, on the Blu-ray, courtesy of the great folks at Sony Pictures Home Entertainment. Too long, I'm glad to be back yet. Let loose from the news that's kept me hanging around. I kept looking at the sky, cause it's getting me high. Forget the hurts, cause I'll never die. I got a nine lives, cat size, using every one of them running wild. Cause I'm bad. I'm bad. Well, I'm bad. 
4K Blu-ray and Review Plus episode is The Nun 2, courtesy of Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment. Warner Brothers Pictures Home Entertainment sent me a copy of this Blu-ray to review for my podcast. The opinions I express are my own. Now, of course, this is the sequel to the original Nun that came out in 2018, which I have reviewed on this very show. Go back to the older episodes. You'll see my review for this, this, the movie, the first Nun movie. And what I liked about the first Nun movie, it was one of these movies that was scary but not too gory and and if you look back at the early years of the Conjuring universe one of the things that made them kind of different than say other typical horror movies is that it was more on the scare and less on the gore it was more what you didn't see what you imagined you saw as opposed as you know gory bloody 
you know, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and that's interesting how things have changed over the last few years. Because in the last five years, the the audience has shifted a little bit. And, and you know, it, it when it was shifting away from gory stuff back when The Conjuring Universe began, and, and when the first Nun movie happened back in 2018, we're now seeing a shift back to gore. And, and that's what's kind of influenced the second movie. Now, the second movie is not directed by the first one. So this is one of these movies where they had a sequel, but they completely changed the director. They completely changed the writers. A lot of this is not what it was before. And, and that can be a good or a bad thing in a way. This time around, it's directed by Michael Chavez who, after some test screens, decide to ramp the gore factor up because the audience in the test screens wanted it to be more gory. And in a lot of ways, <laughs> you watch this, yeah, they did kind of empty it up the factor because the first one was gory at times, but it was mostly, uh, you know, mostly spooky. And I did a chance to watch the first one again, just to yeah, compare. It's been like five years or so since I talked about it. And the first one still stands out. Now, returning, though, cast members-wise, you do have um, Thaisa Farmiga as Irene. She comes back. And then James Bloquette as Maurice. Now, in and then you have a new character, Storm Reed, as Deborah. Now, when you saw the first The Nun movie, you saw at the end of it that, that poor Maurice kind of took a bad turn. And in the sequel... It kind of follows up on that, where you saw the end of the first one, it's like, hot times for Maurice. And in this sequel, yeah, it picks up after the events of the first. So it acknowledges that the first happened. And and the 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 father, of course, he didn't make it to the cut of the second film. <laughs> so he kind of gets written out of it. And the new character that gets added in is the Storm Reed character of Deborah. Now, what's interesting about the sequel. For the most part, the 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 character of Sister Deborah, to me, I don't think she was really necessary for the plot. There's a few times where she, you know, kind of, you know, saves somebody here and there, but I don't think she's that essential to it, really. And it almost seems like the producer said in the first movie, you know what? There's a checkbox we didn't check in the first movie. Darn it, you know, we didn't have some representation in the first movie. And so, gosh darn it, we gotta have some representation in the second movie, because that's wrong, right? Everybody has to have a, an appearance. Everybody has to have some input. We can't just, you know, leave, leave out one you know, part of the population. So they include her in this. And that's great, but she really doesn't serve much of a role other than an extra screaming body. And, and I don't, you could you could you could have cut her out of this movie, put any other character in her place, and and it wouldn't have mattered. You know, in some ways she's saying, oh, well, she's a confidant for Irene, you know, and she's like, you know, the, the junior one that has so the terror for her is like the first time kind of terror. But I found for the most part her role is superfluous and and I just rather just been sister Irene, you know, kind of going in there and like had to reconfront an evil that she thought she took care of in the first movie. And the nun in this, just as spooky as she was before. And, and yeah, they, they did kind of up the gore factor in it. It does have a super creepy feel. And it looks right in 4K. I mean, you're not going to get a spookier vision 
Now, the, the, you know, the, the cover art, they say, oh, you know, the, the greatest evil in the Conjuring universe. I don't know about greatest evil. That's, I don't know. I mean, Annabelle's pretty nasty. And there are a few other characters in that universe that are pretty nasty. So, one of the greater evils? Yeah. And just like the first movie, there is an, uh, an odd, uh, you know, a nod to the other parts of the Conjuring universe right at the end. There's like an extra end credit scene. You're like, oh, this makes it up a third movie. And, and it shows how it ties in. It's very smart about that when it comes to it. You know, if you like the first one, yeah, you'll, you'll like the second. Does it feel the same yet different? Yeah, it does. Because I said, you, you've changed directors, you've changed writers. So it does feel like the first one, but then it isn't like the first one. It, it's really kind of hard to say. I, I think the first one definitely had a more subtle creep factor, less gore. But sometimes, you know, as much as sometimes I enjoy that, I appreciate also when, when it's scary, but you don't see it all. A lot of it's left your imagination as opposed to, blah, there it is. I mean, that's like Friday the 13th. That's like you know, Freddy Krueger, uh, Michael Myers. <laughs> you know, it's just, oh, the many creative ways you can kill people. And <laughs> that's great. But it, it was nice for a while in the Conjure Universe. was like, you know, you have these out here, but we're going to drive you something different. But, you know, it's, 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 entertainment goes with the flow of the audience and what the audience wants. So we're swinging back towards some more gore and we'll see how long that lasts for. Uh, when it comes to the special features, you don't get a lot. Uh, all we get is the Nun 2, Demon in Paradise, and Handcrafted Nightmares. So not a lot of extras here. No commentary by, you know, by anybody. And and it kind of a little lacking in, in special features. I would have liked a little bit more in it. And, and, you know, to me, it should have had, like, the tagline. The Nun 2, more nunnery. But I, I don't think they would have made the cut. A nice slip cover for it, though. A really nice kind of evil shot. But if you tilt it the right way, it reflects the eyes, which is super spooky. Uh, will there be a third? I think there will be. Will it take another five years before we see a third? Maybe. With, with the writer strike at the time of this recording, kind of... Maybe coming to an end. Oh, okay. So Rise Strike did end, but is the actor strike still going? With Hollywood trying to almost getting back to normal again, maybe it won't be five years. We'll see. But again, it's all about money, money, money. And if this did well, yes. If it didn't, then it ends here. But you never know with these days. Uh, but uh, a fun movie, you know, if you like a little spookiness, a little gore, the, the character, the, the character of, of the goat, though, the evil goat devil thing, Oof, I, I will give them credit to makeup and special effects and that it's not all CGI. There's a dude riding around in that outfit. Man, that, if I was an actor on set, it's like the poor little girls in this. God, they must have been traumatized a little bit by that. It's like, yeah, they know it's just an actor, but oof, he was scary. And that's one of the big differences too, is that, you know, the the... First movie was very self-contained. You had sister, you had the father, you had Maurice, and not a lot of other extras. So it made it more intimate. Whereas this one, you have a school, a lot of little girls, and, and it's a bigger cast, so it's a bigger feel. Because I find horror movies work best when you limit cast members. When you isolate, like, maybe two or three, and there's, like, nobody else around to help them, and they got to deal with it. And that creates more tension. 
as opposed to have a lot of people and you're like, well, you know, <laughs> it's, you know, strength in numbers sort of thing as opposed to like two or three of us are all alone with, you know, this. So it is what it is. We'll see um, if, if they change directors again for a third movie or they keep with this one or go back to the first one. Only time will tell. So that is my take of The Nun 2 on 4K Blu-ray. Courtesy of the great folks at Warner Brothers Pictures on Winter Team. Review for this episode is Oppenheimer, courtesy of Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. Now, of course, this movie is directed by Christopher Nolan, who, you know, he's one of these directors, and it's weird. I looked at the pattern of his directing, and for the last few years, he, he seems to only direct a movie every three years, or one of his movies only comes out every three years. I don't know why that's the case, but it's a weird pattern that, that he's been flying into lately. So, you look at that, it's like, Maybe his next movie won't be till 2026. 
And if, if that's the case, then that's an odd way to make movies. Because you look at his career uh, going back, you know, the last few years. Uh, prior to this one, there was Tenet back in 2020. Then we had Dunkirk in 2017. And then Interstellar in 2014. And <laughs> Man of Steel was 2013. So, you know, for a while, I mean, like 2010 to then, he was being a really busy boy. But since, you know, 2014, Interstellar, it's every it's this every three-year pattern of making movies. So we'll see uh, if that's the case. This very much feels like a Christopher Nolan movie. It's long. It'd be a long sit in the theater. Now, as at the time of recording, it is nominated for a bunch of awards. Doesn't surprise me. Because if, if anything you learned about, you know, awards, award... <laughs> Award, awards love, like Oscars, Golden Globes, whatever. They love drama dramas. And historical drama dramas, yeah, they're always going to get nominated. Because that's, and biography picks, that's one of the most popular things. And I don't blame it for, for getting nominated. Because while some, you know, reviewers describe this as one of the best movies of the century, and that's by Richard Roper of the Shogglesen Times, of the century... Uh, that's a hard, that's a lot of movies. A good historical drama, yes, but I don't know if I go, like, what's the scale you're, you're kind of measuring this on? The story, of course, is around the character of, of the, um, of the, uh, of, uh, uh, Robert Oppenheimer, or J. Robert Oppenheimer, who was the father of the atomic bomb. And, and he was the one that was, you know, the, the, the one behind that very bomb that was launched on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And some people say that ended World War II because when that was dropped, it was like, you know, maybe we should just stop now. Because the devastation that the, those bombs were, were just insane. And it kind of caused the, the, the world to go... You know, if we keep going down this road, there we could, you know, wipe us out as a human race. Because one of the biggest fears they had with this, with these bombs, and they, they document this well, is that they worried that when they set these off, it could ignite the atmosphere and just fry the whole world. And that's a scary thing to thought. Think that you know these people in, in actuality, in real life, were working on this, not knowing that if they launched the first one, if that wasn't going to screw the whole planet. And that's insane to think that that was a real concern, that it would ignite the atmosphere and we'd just be like, well, that was an interesting experiment. And now we're all, the world's dead. <laughs> and, and that was a, a legit fear for these, these people. And, and the way it was done, like I'd heard about this kind of, you know, a little bit in history over the years, you know, and, and, and just seeing how this was dramatized, how they took a bunch of scientists and just threw them out in the desert and said, okay, and made a little community, and you're just going to work on this. Uh, Oppenheimer is played by Cillian uh, Murphy, and does a really good job. If you look at him, and then you look at you know archival footage of the actual guy, he does a great job portraying it. It is like spot on. You have Matt Damon as uh, Leslie Groves in this one. You have Emily Blunt as Kitty Oppenheimer. Robert Downey Jr. as Louis Strauss. And I, you know, at first, I almost didn't recognize Robert Downey Jr. He's so far from Tony Stark. It's like the 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 makeup and the hair changes is like, oh yeah. It, it I almost didn't recognize him in that, and that's pretty cool. Uh, points to them. 
that that you look at that same actor and like you just don't associate him with Tony Stark. And and that was done well. As with Christopher Nolan, this movie is very artsy, okay? And and um and there are scenes where they he just uses silence. There are scenes where it switched back and forth between color and black and white, depending on the the episode of history. This this movie does a lot of time jumping back and forth between different periods of history. And, and there's the use of not just silence, but like um, stomping feet. That's a constant theme. And, and, and arts-wise, it looks really good. I mean, they did such a good job recreating like different time periods. It, it really works well. And normally, you know, Ramblers, I don't review a lot of biopics in this channel. I, I don't. I just, I don't have a lot of time to watch them. And I find them kind of boring sometimes. But this... And, and with the music, it, 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 I can see why this was such a hit in theaters. How the people, why people combined the Barbie movie and this one together, I don't know. I've seen both movies now. They're completely different in nature. This one is serious, and that Barbie movie's not. But it's an interesting look into the character of Oppenheimer, who at first was proud, you know, that they made this achievement. They created this bomb, but regretted it later when, when you know, the, the, the horror that inflicted on these poor Japanese cities. And, and I think he was very torn between proud of his achievement, but not happy with, with what was done to the people that it was dropped on. It's, it's a weird dichotomy in there. And, and he plays it well. And, and, and there's, there's one scene <laughs> oy, oy, oy. Uh, in this with, with where he's being interrogated. <laughs> and and uh, I'm going to say there are a couple scenes in this movie where I guarantee you it was probably a closed set because there's one scene where he's being interrogated. And there's an interaction with a female co-star. And it's like, Man, that must be interesting to film. Because <laughs> it's like, okay, things you don't expect to see in a, in a movie. And like, and like, there it is. And I don't know. It, it kind of um, was like, alrighty. Also, and this is uh, Kenneth Branagh as well, too. So you have a really good cast of, of, of characters. And it's a really good look into the life of a real-life person. Now, they probably exaggerate things for, you know, cinematic effect. But I think it's pretty close to what this man's life was. Now, for extras in this. And this is kind of cool, and we don't see this very often. So I'm going to get props to Universal for doing this. The, the, the way this comes in the uh, Blu-ray DVD pack, you get one Blu-ray is just the main feature. Then you get the DVD. And then you got a third, second Blu-ray, it's a three-disc, with just the special features on it. And that's not bad. Now, of course, the first one is just the, the movie itself. It's missing uh, commentary. I would love to have heard some Christopher Nolan commentary, but that is not to be, and that is a shame. I don't know why he doesn't like to do that. Uh, but for extras, you know, I wish more, more movies would do this these days, but this is the time, you know, it's time to live in, so uh, here's what we got. So for extras, we have the story of our time and making of Oppenheimer. Now, this is 
kind of divided into fought in different chunks and all of them equal like more than an hour's worth of behind the scenes if now i had become death with the cast crew and producers and uh, join nolan and like just talking about how they made the movie and, and you know and how it's how it to bridge multiple genres then the luminaries oppenheimer how they the cast discovers the script and how to portray you know, real live characters, real life characters in a, in, a, in a drama. The Manhattan Project, and it's it's how they were it's covering how they visualize Oppenheimer's ability to see within different dimensions, and the Trinity test that happened, and then making effects without using CGI, which is very interesting. Then you have the Devil in the Details, and that's a look at how the producers designers of, of, of the designer, uh, Ruth Dijon, how they recreate the entire town of Los Alamos with, with period accurate props. And that is cool. Like they, they, they practically recreated the whole town with some trickery in the desert. And that would take a lot of money. And you have walking a mile. That's his costume makeup. Crass people talking about it and how, how he got the clothing and matching the period. And that's impressive. And it say, and it says, uh, can you hear the music? So that's Christopher Nolan working with Ludwig Granson and, you know, talking about the, the, the score and then how, you know, accompanying the visuals to it. And then can we perform a miracle? That's, you know, him using his uh, vision, Christopher Nolan talking about, you know, him in filmmaking. So that in itself, that is pretty detailed. And that's like the, the, the biggest feature out of them all. And then your other ones, you have trailers, of course. Then you have Innovations in Film, a 65-millimeter black and white film in Oppenheimer. So they talk about incorporating the black and white footage within the movie. Then it's Meet the Press, uh, a Q&A panel with Oppenheimer. So you have uh, a, a moderated panel where Christopher Nolan, the author of the story that the movie is based on, uh, Kai Bird, and then physicist Dr. Kip Thorne and Dr. Thor Mason and Dr. Carlo Rivoli, they talk about science and doomsday and how it ties into the picture. So a nice little panel discussion. And then you have a very interesting kind of featurette, kind of a, a doco, about an hour and a half or so long, which is to end all war, Oppenheimer and the atomic bomb. This is a nice kind of, you know, um, movie feature length kind of featurette where you, you talk from the history of Oppenheimer, uh, him growing up, and, and leading up to the creation of, of the atom bomb. And it includes a lot of clips, like vintage clips of him talking. And it's really cool to see that. And it's a nice, you know, historical look at the character behind the movie. And I like that. that that's really cool that they did that. Overall, uh, interesting story. If you're looking for something that's just like, oh, you know, you want a lot of, you know, car chases and explosions and big effects. No. But as something that's historical movie to sink your teeth in, definitely check it out. There are some things, scenes that are not suitable for children. So I'll warn you, if you're watching this with kiddos in the audience, a couple scenes where you might, it might be a little uncomfortable for you. So just keep that in mind. But it is, a, you know, it is definitely a, a different type of, of um, movie. And, and also props to... Um, Florence Pugh in this movie. She does a really good job. And <laughs> one scene again with her and the actor plays Oppenheimer. And it's like, I, I, that must have been an interesting day on film to, to, to film <laughs> those scenes. Just saying. Closed 
set. Uh, and, and that's why it's probably not a, uh, it's, it's not a total family type movie. Just, it's rated, uh, 14A for a reason, folks. So that is my take of Oppenheimer on the Blu-ray DVD combo pack, courtesy of the great folks at Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. episode is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, courtesy of Walt Disney Pictures Home Entertainment. Now, of course, this is the fifth installment of the Indiana Jones movies. First, of course, it was Raiders of the Lost Ark, came back in 1982. Then 1984, we had Temple of Doom. And then in 1989, we had Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Now, there was, now there was a long gap from uh, The Last Crusade, and then we went almost 20 years and then we got Indiana Jones and, of course, The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which didn't go over that well with a lot of people. And then almost another 15 years passes again since uh, then we get a new indie movie. Now, a lot happened in between The Crystal Skull and, of course, <laughs> The Dial of Destiny. In that time period, uh, Disney bought the rights to Lucasfilms and, and then acquired the rights to, I guess, Indiana Jones. Which is interesting because if you look at the way this movie was made, it's in association with Paramount as well. So even though Disney got the right to distribute it, Paramount in a way still has a piece of it. And that's an odd thing. I don't know how that, that deal worked. So this is the first Indiana Jones movie that Disney has a hand in, right? You know, has a piece of. And, and it's an odd Indiana Jones movie. And we'll, we'll get to what I'm, I'm talking about in a minute. But first off, where all the previous Indiana Jones movies started with like 
a play on the Paramount logo. You go look back at all of them. This time around, they just forego that and went, no, we're not going to do that. And the first 22 minutes of this movie is very interesting because you, what, what happens is they take Harrison Ford and they CGI de-age him for the first 22 minutes. So for the start of this movie, it's almost like you're watching the further adventures of Indy that would have taken place shortly after the events of The Last Crusade. Or even, or yeah, maybe that. Even like maybe in between the time of like Last Crusade and, and Crystal Skull. Because, man, do they de-age him. So for the first 22 minutes, this movie's like, all right, old school Indiana Jones, you know, fighting away. He doesn't need any help from anybody. He's just doing the thing. And it's da 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 And it's like, yeah, that's the ending we've been waiting for. <laughs> so, so they tease you the first 22 minutes like, yeah, this is what you've been waiting for, right? Just Indy by himself, Harrison Ford looking decades younger, and 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 that's what you get. And what's what's cool about it in some ways, at first, you know, and, and I'll give up the, the the CGI a passing grade. There's some shots it's like, man, it looks so CGI. It, this it's like they recreate his face with this, and it looks a little off. But if you don't think about it too much, it's kind of cool. So, and, and I don't know, you know, if if it was Harrison Ford's body doing these stunts and a lot of work, or was it a stuntman with a mocap head on, and then, like, they're filming it, him, in cgi in Harrison Ford's face on top of it. And maybe Harrison's just reading the lines and trying to sound younger. I don't know. I only got a digital copy of this movie. I didn't get the physical so I couldn't watch any behind the scenes or extras. We're just talking about the movie in this review. Maybe one of these days down the road, courtesy of my own wallet, I'll be able to pick up the physical copy of this movie. And maybe I'll give it a second chance review just on the special features. But for now, we're going to deal with what we got. So the plot is this, that uh, in the end, they start this movie, you know, after that little tease of the past, we jump to present day Indy, where it's take place after the events, of course, of the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. And Indy's looking to retire, you know? He's like, oh, he's getting up there in years. <laughs> he's about to retire. But adventure calls again when the, 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 this, this dial, uh, this artifact that he was pursuing before kind of comes back into his life and he's set on the road again. This time around, though, it's not just Indy by himself. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, tagging along is the character of Helena, by by Phoebe Waller Bridge, and she is the daughter of a friend, old friend of his that we saw at the start of the movie, and his goddaughter apparently. And at the start of this movie, poor Indy, you know him and uh, Marion have kind of fallen out of the way. The this their son, who I believe they implied it was his son in Crystal Skull, played by good old Shia LaBeouf, is gone. They've like written him out of the movie. And then that's why, you know, him and Marion are <laughs> kind of on the outs in a way. So it's almost like the character of Indiana Jones is trying to find a repurpose in life. So, you know, Helena comes around and and, and, and kind of joins him on this adventure. And that's like, okay, you know, maybe we just went Indy by himself. Like, yeah, he's had female, you know, kind of co-stars in the past. And they've ranged from Marion, who could take care of herself, to that screaming beauty... <laughs> <laughs> Temple of Doom. So it's varied. And also along with Helena, 
they introduce another character of Teddy, uh, played by Ethan Isidore, who is trying to be this next generation short round and, and uh, you know, a young, plucky kind of kid sidekick. Although, for the most part of this movie, eh, I don't know, I see where they were going with him, but it's like, no, nah, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> I just, and the way they portray him, he's kind of androgynous. It's like, are, are you, which, are, are you like one specific gender or are you kind of flowing in between the both of them? I, I, I just don't know. Maybe I'm not seeing it right, but it's like, it looks like you're trying to be a dude with the mustache, but then there's a slight feminine quality. So I don't really know how to call it. Uh, there is appearances uh, by some older characters from the franchise. It's not the end of the movie. So it is what it is <laughs> that way. Does it feel like a typical Indiana Jones movie? For the most part, it does. There's a lot of good action sequences in this. And, and for the most part, Harrison holds his own. Although, again, I don't know how much this is like a, you know, like a stunt double. Uh, and and where, you know, I think some people may have a problem with this, and I, I tend to admit it, a lot of the times the, the, the Helena character is a bit annoying. It's like, could we just have had one final uh, adventure with Indy, maybe by himself, as opposed to needing a female partner to constantly help him out of trouble? They, they a lot of times emphasize Indy's old, he can only do so much, kind of thing. And the way the movie ends, there's a tease, maybe of more, with a hack grab, but it, it's, it's never... Um, Nothing ever comes up like, like like the gloves do sometimes with Indiana Jones will return. Nah. <laughs> they advertise this as his final adventure. Maybe it is, but I don't know if it really is. Antonio Banderas is in this as Ronaldo. He's a nice kind of add-on character in it. The effects, for the most part, are good. Uh, the, big, the problem I have with some of it is just that that CGI younger Harrison Ford face. <laughs> sometimes it works. Sometimes it's like nice CGI. Uh, but actual-wise, it's it's pretty good. Uh, I I just don't know where they're going with this. Disney is not the kind of thing that likes to sit on properties. Would they make more of these? Yes. Um, will Harrison Ford be a part of it? I don't know. I I have expected something to happen, and it didn't. But we'll see. It, it, it's it's one of these movies that it feels like an indie movie, but part of it doesn't, you know. And, and I'm not sure where the franchise is going to go with this. Uh, and and I don't know how they can distribute this in video too, because it makes a very interesting premise. Because all the first previous movies are owned by Paramount. You see them in the stores all the time. You know, for a movie collection. But this was distributed by Disney, so I don't know how they're going to do a five movie collection ever. Because who's going to distribute it? Because of the rights. So we'll see how that goes. Right now, it's it's not bundled with them. You would think they would have done that. Because that's usually what happens when a sequel. Look at the Fast and Furious movies. <laughs> but no. So we'll see where this franchise goes. I haven't heard talk that Harrison Ford's going to do another one. If this was his final one, then they wrote him off fairly well. We will see where time goes. It took a long time to get this sequel. And we'll see how much of a gap it is for a sixth movie, if there ever is one. 
So that is my take of Indiana Jones. Oh. One thing I wanted to add, the John Williams score is terrific. This may be the last indie movie he ever does. And it was great to hear his, his music, y'all, because I'm sorry. And when it comes to certain movies and characters, if you can get a guy like John Williams to keep doing it, power to you. So it's another one of those scores. If I could just find the soundtrack score for this, I'd probably pick it up because I have some of the previous movies on CD and I'd, I'd pick it up again. So that is my take of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Digital copy, courtesy of great folks at Walt Disney Pictures Home Entertainment. Let's go wrap things up this edition of the show. Hope you all enjoyed it. As always, you can touch me in a number of ways. You can always check me out on formerly Twitter at X at Rambling Russ, R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S. Check me out. Uh, can you check me out? Any kind of updates and, and news about the show, I usually send them out on X. And any kind of artwork and any announcements usually go there. So if you follow me, I will follow you on that platform. Of course, you can check out all new episodes right here in the Tashu Network. I'm caller ID 18411. All new episodes are here. Of course, you can check new episodes out on Google Play and Spotify and many other podcast directories across the World Wide Web. If you want to blast to the past, past, you can check out my original website at Libsyn, that's H-T-T-P, full colon, backslash, backslash, Russ, R-I-M-B-L-I-N-G-R-U-S-S, dot Libsyn, that's dot L-I-B-S-Y, is in Yankee, and is in November, dot com. That's my original home on your net, where I have over six plus years of podcasting goodness from 2006 to about 2013. And then I moved over here to talk shoe. Lots of great old reviews, interviews, and convention coverage from Fan Expo from back in the day and some other conventions as well. And some really old, you know, great classic content. You want to listen to it. And you can find that on many other direct podcast directories across the World Wide Web and in uh, iTunes under podcasts. Type in Ramble Russell and you'll find old episodes there. <laughs> What's coming up on future episodes of the show? Lots to talk about. As I said at the top of the show, I do want to get at least one more episode before this year wraps itself up. I'll try to squeeze out two, but we'll see. I have so little time to do a lot of things. I'm a busy boy uh, kind of relaunching another yet another career path uh, on myself, so that is eating up a lot of my time. But there are some things that I've got that I want to talk about in the near future. Uh, coming up on a possible future edition of the show, because uh, there's going to be at least one more episode for my Christmas special. Uh, it's not, you know, Christmas special slash holiday gift guide. I have gotten some things uh, from some of the generous people that send me stuff to talk about, and we'll probably include them in, including something, I got something sent to me that is super cool. It's a show that I've I've thought about for years to check out, just never the means of the time. The nice folks at Warner Brothers Home Entertainment send me a copy of Babylon 5, the complete series on Blu-ray, the remastered edition, and that's one show I've always wanted to see. Remember, you know, Ramblers, I recently reviewed the uh, the possible uh, Babylon 5 revive, revisal, a comeback animated special. Now I finally have the whole series to check out. And I'm going to, you know, try to get through some of it, at least. And, and that will uh, be definitely included in my uh, last episode of the year, the Holiday Gift Guide Christmas special. And I'll, I'll try to get through as much as I can of it and, and give it a review. But it's great to have that in the collection. And I'm looking forward to talking to you guys about a classic 1990s sci-fi show. Also, uh, possibly for the next uh, show or two, uh, I, I was sent to me <laughs> by Warner Brothers, the Dolly Parton 
Magic Mountain Christmas on DVD. So <laughs> we'll check that out. A little bit of Christmas content on the show because I don't get, I get a lot sent to me this year uh, when it came to Christmas content. So I will try to throw in that in. As well, uh, some things things I mean to get to, including on Blu-ray, the movie Air, the, the story of the Michael Jordan and his shoes. As well, some older movies on classic 4K, including East of Eden and Rio Bravo. Uh, we got a time to check out and, and eventually get my review of the animated show Smiling Friends Season 1, because that is a weird-ass show. And also coming up uh, as a digital review, my review of The Boogeyman, courtesy of 20th century home video uh and as well the the transformers rise of the beasts on blu-ray courtesy of my wallet that will possibly on the next show there's a bunch of things we'll see if we can cram in at least in one show maybe possibly two shows depending on my time and how much time i have to do things i also did get a copy that i'll probably talk about at least to a certain extent then I suppose Warner Brothers sent me of the Succession, the complete series on DVD that was sent to me too from the great folks at Warner Brothers. So lots to talk about. We'll try to cram this all in the last part of the month. I hope you guys are having a great holiday season so far. Thank you for your patience with me. It's, I, I try, but life has just been very crazy and hectic for me lately. As well, if you're in the, um, you know, in the urge for action figures, uh, keep in mind that I have a link. Uh, I have a discount code with the great folks at Entertainment Earth, RamRust10. If you use that discount code, you will save 10% on any orders. And any orders that are $79 or more ship free within the US. So if you're a US customer and you, you spend $79 or more, you get free shipping from Entertainment Earth. And they have some amazing deals on that website now. At the time of this recording, some things that are 85% off. There are things US selling for that are like, two three dollars and and it's insanely cheap so if you're looking for stuff that's like a little bit old i encourage you to check them out there as always please check out my amazon wish list i have a lot of things on there that uh anything you choose from there will get reviewed on the show you can either be anonymous or you can put your name to it and it's a way of you controlling content on the show if you want to choose what i talk about i have a whole list of things there i try to keep it up to date and you can contribute what you want to contribute. I don't have Patreon. I don't have Discord. I don't ask you guys for any money, but it's a way to, you know, contribute. Maybe you're feeling that way this time of year, being the gift-giving season. And yes, Ramblers, I talk about this a lot. And I'm determined to get it out soon. I was hoping to get something out before the end of the year, but it's been a crazy month and it's not going to quiet down for me too much more. I do want to start my YouTube channel very soon. I have a lot of content to talk about, a lot of action figure reviews, of all from all lines, including Hasbro, uh, Mattel, uh, McFarlane, you know, DC, Marvel, He-Man, all kinds of stuff that I want to talk about on on my new YouTube channel. So look for that in the near future. When I do launch the Ramble Russell Video Vault, look for links for it in the X feed. I, I'll put announcements there, and I hope you check it out and put some feedback and comments in there. Something I've really been looking uh, looking to explore. I keep procrastinating about it, but but I do want to get it done. I have some things filmed. It's just a matter of putting them together and, and getting them out there. And I hope you support me with that. It, it's an experiment I'm going to try, and then we'll see how far it goes. And you can see my take on our review figures. It's a little different than some people, but then it's similar, but that's the way it goes. That is it for me. I hope you, if, if, you, know, I hope you guys are having a great holiday season, and I'll see you for at least one more show to wrap up. 2023. 20, Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening.